We're going to be talking about some things that you may have heard me talk about before because there's nothing new under the sun. I remember when we had an architect drawing building plans and stuff for us, and uh, he attended a church over in West County. And I remember one day he was, we met with him to go over some plans, and he said, our pastor preached the same thing he preached once before. He said, I can't believe it. It's not supposed to be that way. It's supposed to get fresh bread from heaven every, every time. And I thought to myself, and I can't remember how I phrased it to him. He didn't like it. But I said, well, if you didn't get it the first time, he had to tell you again. <laughs> Amen. And that's the way it is with, 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 uh, with you know, us as parents. You know, we teach our children, and sometimes you know, we have to teach them again. Because they don't get it the first time. And teachers know that. They teach students and they don't get it. And you got to teach it again. Amen. All right. So in Proverbs chapter 4. <clears throat> I don't know how come I got all these ink pens up here. Notice what it says here. We're going to start with the 20th verse. My son, attend to my words. Incline thy ear into my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For their life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Now that's primarily what we go to when we go to this particular portion of Scripture. But what I want to focus on tonight is the next verse. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. In other words, guard your heart. That's what he means by keeping it. Guard your heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. Now, we've been teaching on you know, the subject of being led by the Spirit and all that, and we've established the fact, you know that, that we're a spirit being, first and foremost. We have a soul, mind, will, emotions, and we live in a body. And as significant and important as that is, then we need to understand that we have to guard our heart or guard your spirit, man, with all diligence, because out of it are the issues of life. When the Bible this, you know, says life and death and the power of the tongue, they through the love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Well, the Bible also said out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you speak out of your spirit, man, or out of the abundance of your heart or what's in your spirit. And we're living in some pretty interesting times, are we not? And because we're living in some pretty interesting times, we have some pretty crazy stuff going on, we have to be so careful to guard our hearts that we don't let those things get on the inside of us. Amen? There's crazy stuff. There's wrong things happening. There's no question about that. And it doesn't mean that it's not going to stir you up. And we shouldn't just sit idly by and not get involved and do things. We should do things. Amen. But in our doing process, let's don't let the wrong things get in our heart. That's right. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Because if you let the wrong thing get in your heart, then the wrong thing's going to start coming out of your mouth. And what will happen is it won't just be in one area. It'll start showing up in other areas of your life. And you'll start finding yourself, without realizing it, you'll start finding yourself speaking some things that you would not have spoken before. And if you don't guard your heart, then what will happen, other people will do things that could be innocently, I mean, they could be wrong or whatever, or they could, but, you know, it could even be somewhat offensive, but they could do, so, do things, you know, pretty innocently. You understand what I'm saying? And we'll respond in a wrong way. Because we've allowed those other things to get into our heart. 
So you got to be ever so careful to guard your spirit, man. Guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Because out of it are the issues of life. Amen. All right, now let's look, look at the next verse. Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. In other words, you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth. You have to say one thing, and that's what the Word of God says. Put the Word as the anchor to your soul and anchor to your heart, and let it be what you speak out of your mouth. What does the Word have to say about that? Amen, about whatever the circumstance or situation is. As much as we not, may not agree with something or someone or whatever, and whatever place that they hold in our communities or anything like that, we have to be careful that we don't say the wrong things and open the wrong doors. Yeah, Y'all listen to what I'm saying? Because oh, yeah. you don't want to open a door to the enemy that you can't get shut. Amen. All right, so you can't, you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth. You have to speak what the Word says. Amen. And you need to be speaking faith in whatever it is that you're involved in. We need to speak faith over our communities, that God is on the throne, and that God is well able to turn hopeless, seemingly hopeless situations around. He can do that. If we don't like the political landscape that we're dealing with, then we need to continue to speak what God's word says. Amen. Y'all out there? Understand, we know this. The Bible says righteousness exalts a nation, but sins are reproached to any people. And we see a whole lot of sin going on in the nation in a lot of different areas. Yes. And I mean, flat out lies and things like that are spoken to us. That they want us to just take hook, line, and sinker. Well, those things, if you're not careful, you can allow those things to get you in the wrong spirit or the wrong attitude. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Yes. Realize the spirit with which I'm talking about, okay? I'm not saying that these things are not wrong, because they are. It's just we have to be careful that we don't let those things get in us and hurt us, yeah. harm us, hinder us, hinder our faith. Mm -hmm. yes. Remember, the Bible says this, faith works by love, Galatians chapter 5. Faith works by love. And so we have to walk in love. Now, love's not a doormat that people clean their shoes off on. You understand that too. Amen. Sometimes love's tough, but in the same token, it's still the attitude of the heart that makes the difference. Y'all with me? All right, so let's read on a little further here. So put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Now, if we were talking about the subject of healing or something or a promise that God gave us, you know, or something the Bible made available to us, then what we would say is keep our eyes focused on that. Okay? Well, it's the same way in this situation, what we're talking about tonight. Keep your eyes focused on the victory. Amen? Because know this. Because God's for us, no one can succeed against us. They may throw obstacles at us. They may fire darts at us. They may make accusations against us. They may try to attack us. And we know that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Remember that? The Bible talks about that in Ephesians chapter 6. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. 
but against principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. So we're not fighting flesh and blood. And we have, we have to be careful that we don't fall into that trap and look at the person themselves and not focus on the true entity that's behind the situation or the circumstance. Yes. Remember, there's a devil behind it. Yes. All that's going on, all the chaos, all that's... Why? Because the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So anything that's operating or manifesting that's purpose is to steal, to kill, or to destroy. That could be steal your joy, steal your hope, steal your peace, steal your family, to kill you, kill your relationships, or to destroy your life in whatever way. That's from the enemy. That's from the devil. But the Bible tells us the devil's defeated and underneath our feet. So we're dealing with a defeated foe when it comes to the actual enemy that we must be, you know, confronting. The enemy we're actually dealing with is a demonic entity dispatched by the angel devil you understand what I'm saying? Lucifer, who's now Satan, he's been dispatched by him, or they've been dispatched by him, in order to cause, wreak havoc, cause turmoil, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that's exactly who we're really dealing with. We're not dealing with the actual individuals that we see, the natural physical person, the flesh, the flesh and bone person, the flesh and blood person. That's not who we're really actually dealing with. Now, that's good news. Now, why is that good news? Because when we're talking about other individuals or human beings, we don't have authority over one another. Now, don't get me wrong. There's certain situations in life where there is an authority type of setting. It's like even like in spiritual things. When it comes to spiritual things, if you feel like God's called you or placed you underneath leadership, then there is a willingness to submit to that leadership. Yes. Now, it's not a mandatory thing. It's a personal issue that you have to make a decision whether you yield to it or not. If you do choose to yield to it because God's placed you there, then you get the benefits of those in authority over you. You get the benefits of the gifts that God's placed on the inside of them that can minister to you however the Lord sees or chooses to do so. And he could do that in any given moment, at any given time, at any given day. So you can reap the benefits of that. Are you listening? Because you choose to submit to that authority, but you're not forced to do it. Amen. So when it comes to like the church setting, then you choose, you know, you make a decision. You know, hey, that, I, I see the, the anointing on that person's life and I feel like the Lord wants me to, to sit underneath that anointing. And so by doing so, I'm willing to submit to that authority there, that spiritual authority. But it's because you choose to do so willingly, not because you're forced to do so. And anybody that would try to force you to do that, there's something wrong there. It's not our place as ministers to force people to submit. That's right. a choice that individuals have to make based upon what they feel in their heart. But if you do choose to submit to it, then you benefit from the gift that God's placed on the inside of them. 
Amen. And so when you operate in certain areas of the spirit, then what benefits do you get out of that? Well, then that means the Lord can come. If, if you, you know, want to submit to our leadership, then that Lord can, can tell me things about you to pray for you whenever you don't even know I know. Are you all out there? And you can benefit from that gift. And that means God will wake me up in the middle of the night and say, pray for you. But the chance of God waking me up in the middle of the night to pray for somebody in another state that's submitted to some other leadership is pretty nil and void. Remember what we said this morning, Paul said this. He said, you have many instru 10,000 instructors in Christ, but you don't have many fathers. There's a difference, and that's because you choose. That's your choice. Paul said, I've begotten you through the gospel. In other words, I've taught you the word of God. And because I'm teaching you the word of God, I'm instructing you in the ways of righteousness. Then he said, I'm becoming a father to you and not just an instructor to you. There's more to it than just being an instructor. It's the one who's willing to spend the time in prayer for you. Watch over you in the spirit realm. Not to control your life, it's not our jobs to do that. But to help, to encourage, to build up. You understand what we're saying? Amen. But not to usurp authority over you. It's not my job to tell you what color car you get or what kind of house you get or anything like that. That's not my place. Although those things have taken place in the body of Christ over the years. We call it the shepherding movement. Where people would shepherd over in such a way that they dominated people's lives. And you couldn't marry someone without getting permission to marry them. And there's nothing more crazier than that than I've ever heard in my life. And people go for it. That's what blows my mind. People go for that stuff. I remember talking to a gentleman who was our landlord for many years. And, and you know, we, we rented a church building from him. And uh, <clears throat> him and I got fairly close in a lot of different areas, you know. Because one, I knew how to take him. He was grumbly all the time, grumbling, you know, kind of like that. But I just knew you just had to take him with a grain of salt because he really didn't mean things that way. He would say things and then he'd stand back and look and just kind of smile, see how you responded to things. And so if you didn't respond the wrong way, I mean, it just, you know, he just, he realized you could tell what he was doing. Amen. And so he was telling me about a situation where a pastor had come to him to buy carpet from him for his house. And so when he went to pay for the carpet, he pulled out a stack of credit cards about that tall. Everybody in his church had to give him a credit card that they paid for. So that means he had a credit card from every family in the church. And so he said, put so much on this one and put so much on this one. And it just, that stuff blows my mind. I'm like, how on earth would you ever submit to something so idiotic? Well, see, obviously you wouldn't. But people do. That blows my mind. I remember years ago, you know, we uh, went over and helped a, a brother of ours. Actually, he was the one that married Janet and I. He was the pastor, one of the associate pastors of the church, and he became the pastor of the church. And we went over and helped them remodel a building and everything over on Natural Bridge in St. Louis. And there was another church down the street. 
And they had church on Friday nights. I mean, they had church on Friday nights. People had to come and pack. They cashed people's paychecks so that they could make sure they took their tithes out on Friday night. That freaked me out. I'm like, why on earth? But people would go. And that always has blown my mind. Why would people do that? Why would they submit to that kind of ignorance? but won't submit to the true ways of the Bible. Yeah. Right. You understand what I'm saying? That always just freaks me out. I would say run from people like that. Because that's totally contrary to the Word of God. It's not the way it works. Amen? No, we as leadership should be watching over you in the spirit realm, not controlling, manipulating your life in the natural realm. Y'all understand? Now we'll tell you the truth. And if that truth goes against your lifestyle, then I can't help it because I'm just telling you the truth. But the point we're making is, is our, jo our, jo our job is, our, our calling is to minister to you spiritually. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And there are certain things we do in the natural as well, but those are primarily the things we're supposed to do. All right, let's look a little further here. So he says, let thine eyelids look right on, let thine, let, let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. In other words, stay focused on the prize. We need to do the same thing when it comes to the things that we see going on in our world. Focus on God's plan. Yeah. Amen. Number one, God's got a plan for each and every one of us, and we want to fulfill that plan, whatever it is. And if God's laid that plan out for us, the only one that can stop that plan from manifesting is us. No one else out there can stop God's plan for our life. We're the only one. They can slow it down. The enemy can use situations, circumstances to slow it down, but he cannot stop the plan of God from coming to pass in your life. If you'll stay focused on God's plan for you, then that plan will be consummated. It will come to pass. But you have to stay focused on the plan of God. So you have to find out, God, what is it exactly that you want for me in my life? And I want to focus on that and move in that direction. If you'll stay focused on that and stay in line with the word, stay prayerful about it, the enemy cannot stop it from happening. He can slow it down but he, and he can hinder it, but he cannot stop it. The only person that can stop God's plan and will for your life are you. That's right. Yeah. Y'all listening? Amen. Why? Because it's God's plan for you. It's not somebody else's plan. It's God's plan. That's why you have to find out what is God's plan for me and not what somebody else's plan is for me. Amen? And if you'll stay focused on God's plan, the enemy cannot stop it from happening. The only person that can is you. Now, I know this, when it comes to certain things in the scripture, I know God's plan for you. One, when it comes to sickness and disease, God's plan is for you to be healed. God does not want you to be sick. He does not want you to be afflicted. Also, he does not want you to be broke. He doesn't do that to keep you humble. Y'all listening? God does not want you to be broke. He wants your needs to be met. He wants your bills to be paid. He wants you to prosper in such a way that you can not only be blessed yourself, but be a blessing to other people. God wants you to be that way. Yes. Yes. Amen? 
That's part of the scripture. It's part of what God wants. Hallelujah. He wants to save you and your house. He does not want any of your family members to, to miss heaven and go to hell. He wants every one of your family members to make heaven. That's what God wants for you. And that's what he meant when he said he would save you and your house. Yeah. Amen. Why? Because the Bible said it's not his will that any should perish. Your house qualifies for the any. He does not want any to perish, but he wants all to repent and come into the knowledge of the truth. Why? Because he would have all men to be saved. Everyone. Amen. And aren't you glad he's long suffering? And because he's long-suffering, he will, and this, and this is something that he spoke to Sister Jeannie Wilkerson. Some of you don't know who she is. Some of you do. But she was a mighty, mighty prayer warrior, actually a prophetess, in the Tulsa, Oklahoma area. And I mean, she was like right up at the top when it came to the, the message of faith, ministers in the message of faith. And mightily used of God. And the Lord spoke to her one day in prayer, he said, if you'll call out your family members before me in faith, he said, I will wrestle with them on their deathbed to make sure they make heaven and don't go to hell. Amen. Now, I got great confidence in her willingness and her ability to hear from God. Yes. Amen. And she's in heaven now. And I remember actually when Brother Hagin did her going home service, Brother Hagin did it. And he didn't do that for a lot of people, but at that time, he did do it for her. And when he was preaching her going home service, he had a vision of a chariot of fire that came down and picked her up and escorted her into heaven. Now, I remember sitting in school one day when she was teaching, and she, she was just a little short lady, about this, about this tall. But man, when she spoke, she spoke with such authority. And I remember, you know, sitting there, you know, and we was in the auditorium there at the Rooker Memorial Auditorium. It used to just be one of the classrooms. And, and uh, I was sitting back in the section. Actually, it was over here. You look at it from the stage back. And I was sitting back there when she came out and started to speak. And when she did, it was like Raiders of the Lost Ark. The words that she spoke was like whenever they opened, when the Nazis opened up the ark. Remember that? Open up that. And, and when they did, that glory came out. And it was like lightning bolts that shot through them. Well, that's what the words were like. When she started speaking words, it was like something just shot through my spirit. And I could see the glory of God just all around her. And I remember Brother Hagin came out for, because she was just speaking for like 20 minutes before his class. And when he came out, he saw the anointing was on her. He said, no, you just go ahead and take the class, which she did for the next hour. And it was absolutely amazing. Mightily used of God. So that, I, I believe what she said is true. I believe when she said the Lord spoke to her, she knew exactly what she was talking about. And whenever the Bible says it's not his will that any should perish, yeah. he wants all to repent. He doesn't want anybody to die and go to hell. He wants everybody to make heaven. Does that mean everybody's going to? No. The qualifier here was, if you'll call your family's names out before me in faith, I will wrestle with them on their deathbed to make sure they make heaven. Now that's good news, isn't it? So what do we do? We call their names out before God in faith for their souls to be saved. Amen. And God will do everything he can to get him to heaven. Hallelujah. 
Well, that's good news, isn't it? Hallelujah. But it takes some effort on our part. And you got to stay focused on the prize. Because that's one of the things he wants. He wants your family to be saved. Just like he wants us to be blessed. Just like he wants us to be healed. He wants us to prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. So the more our soul, my will emotions, gets renewed with the word of God, it's prospering. And the more it prospers, the more we prosper. But it starts out with our mind, will, emotions being renewed, our soul prospering. Are you all with me? Amen. Amen. All right, so let's look a little further here. Ponder thy path of thy feet, verse 26, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. In other words, watch where it is that you go. Watch where you walk. And I'll add this, watch those who you walk with. Amen. That can be extremely important to you as well. All right. Now, if you would turn over to, uh, let's go to Ephesians chapter four. So why is it so significant? Why are we so glad that we're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers? Man, that's the devil. I mean, he's got power. Well, he does only in the lives of those that will give it to him but not into those that will stand on the word. The devil has no authority in the life of a believer unless the believer allows him that authority. And the only way that that authority will get to him is by the things that we say or the things that come out of our mouth. Why? Life and death, poverty, lack, blessing, curse, all those things, it's all in what you say out of your mouth. That's why you got to be very careful. Guard your heart with all diligence. Don't let all this other stuff in the world get down on the inside of you because what gets in there is going to come out. And the thing about it is, it will come out differently at different times. And you want to make sure that you got your heart guarded all the time because you don't want the wrong thing coming out of your mouth. It comes out at the wrong time and it can be extremely detrimental to you. Y'all listening? So you want to guard your heart, your spirit man, and be careful about what comes out of your mouth. So important to you. So important to all of us, actually. And I'm telling you things I know myself. Because you know, sometimes something will happen, and all of a sudden you'll say something, you think, where did that come from? Well, it's in there. How did it get in there? See, this is what I've noticed over the last year and a half since all this craziness has gone on in the country. Man, that stuff is trying to get in you all the time. I mean, you hear lie after lie after lie after lie. They won't tell you the truth. The media is driving you crazy. And before you know it, you find yourself yelling at the TV, yelling at your telephone. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? You're mad at Facebook. Not that they haven't done anything wrong, but you yelling at them, they don't know. Y'all listen, they don't hear. But the thing is, you yelling, you're yelling at it. You're mad. And boy, if you don't know it, your thumbs have got you in trouble. Because you're saying things and you're end up in Facebook jail or off of Facebook or whatever the case may be because you said some things that violated their policy. Well, pretty much anything with common sense violates their policy. Are you all out there? 
I mean, they'll start blocking your stuff, removing your stuff, you know, putting you in Facebook jail. I know the other day Johnny got in Facebook jail for something. Or no, it was it was it was huh? Oh no, but but they they had they removed the thing. But I've seen some of you guys in Facebook jail. I've seen them remove some of your content. Amen. I've mean, they've done they've done me that way. Y'all listening? So we want to be careful, don't we? We want to be extremely careful so we don't let this stuff get on the inside of us because then it starts coming out of us. And if we're not careful, it comes out of us in the wrong way. Remember this. Remember this. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith who? The Lord. The Lord. Vengeance is not ours. Vengeance is God's. And this is the reason why. We're not created for vengeance. Human beings were never supposed to experience or have a need to experience vengeance. Just like we were not created for worry. You cannot handle worry. Vengeance requires bitterness, unforgiveness, anger. You listening? And so if those things get on the inside of you, those things will stop your faith from working. And not only will they do that, they'll open the door because words will come out of your mouth contrary to the word of God. They'll open the door for to allow the enemy to come in and to attack you. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? So you want to be extremely careful about that. That you don't let the wrong things get on the inside of you so that the wrong things don't come out of your mouth and open the door to the enemy. All right? So look at Ephesians chapter 4. Watch what it says here. We're going to look at this in a couple translations because I think the Amplified makes it a whole lot clearer. But starting with the 29th verse. Notice this. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Verse 32, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. All right, now let's look at this for just a moment. So he says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. So don't let anything come out of your mouth that will corrupt your spiritual well-being. Okay? but only that which is good to the use of edifying. Speak things that will build one another up. Edify means to build up, to strengthen, to encourage. That it may minister, what? Grace unto the hearers. So what you say you want to use to minister grace to the hearers. Well, what about things that are going on? We understand things that are going on, but how would I be able to talk about some of those things and yet not get myself in trouble or not violate my conscience? One is understand who it is you're talking to 
and make sure the things that you say are able to build up or encourage them instead of tear them down or put them in fear. The whole purpose of some of what's going on in the world in the last year and a half was to promote fear. Why is it so significant that we learn that and understand that? Because fear motivates the devil the same way faith motivates God. And so when you've got individuals out here spewing all these things that may be untrue, the motivation for that is to generate fear in people's hearts, to shut them down, to lock them down, or whatever the case may be, to steal their joy, to steal their peace, and to steal their hope. That's what the devil wants. Because he knows if he steals your hope, he steals your joy, the joy of the Lord is your strength. If your joy depletes, if it disappears, you have no strength spiritually. The way we can tell if you truly are operating in faith is how much joy do you have? Because if you're in faith, no matter what you feel like in your physical body, you believe in God for healing. If you're in faith, no matter what it looks like in the natural, excuse me, you still have joy in your heart. You understand what I'm saying? Why? Because you got that true assurance of a faith in God that knows that God's word's true and what he said will come to pass in your life. And you're not motivated by what you see. You're not motivated by what you hear. You're not motivated by what you feel. You're only motivated by what you believe and you believe what the word of God says. You understand what I'm saying? Very important that we stay focused on that fact. Hallelujah. So when we're talking to others about situations, circumstances, because it's going to come up. There's no question. It's going to come up. Then we, people of faith, must continue to remind them that God, like I said earlier, God has not fallen off the throne just because of the things that are going on. He's still high and lifted up. And he's still well able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or think according to his power that works in us. And what the Bible says concerning that power that works in us, then you go to Romans chapter 1, the gospel of Christ is the power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the word of God is where the power comes from. It's what causes the Holy Ghost to manifest. So it's based upon the word of God that's working on the inside of us that will help to control us. Not because it forces it on on us, but because we choose to yield to the word of God and yield to the authority of it and then act upon what the word says and let it become a dominating factor in our life. And when we let that dominate us, what's going to happen? We know that God's for us. No one can succeed against us. And we know that when God's on our side, we know that there's a peace that comes because we know that he that's with us is far greater than those that are against us. Now there's a story in the Old Testament about the prophet Elisha who was surrounded by an enemy army. And Gehazi when he was afraid, like what are we going to do? And when Elisha spoke to him and said, he said they that are with us are greater than those that are against us. Because Elisha saw in the spirit realm around the enemy army was chariots of fire with swords, angels there to do battle on their behalf and to protect them. But Gehazi could not see that with his natural eye. 
And so Elisha said to the Lord, open his eyes that he might see. And when he opened his eyes, he saw all these flaming chariots with all these angels with swords for battle. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you, God's doing the same thing for us today. But your focus, if you're not careful, you're focused on the things that you see with the natural eye and you're not seeing with the spirit realm. You're not seeing through the eyes of the spirit. And you don't realize God's not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And just like when they came against the man of God back then, when the enemy comes against the people of God, know this, God's still on the throne. He's still the same. He has not changed. And if he will put chariots of fire around the prophet, he will put whatever necessary around us to provide protection for us to keep the enemy from destroying us. As long as we stay true to the word, stand on the word, stay in faith, we will see the victory. Amen? Hallelujah. That's why I like singing that song, Victory is Mine. According to the word, I have what I've heard. It's all based upon what the word says. That's where our victory comes from. Even though it doesn't look like it in the natural, we can have joy in our hearts when chaos is all around us. And what greater witness to the rest of the world than to see the believer with a smile on their face, a spring in their step, a twinkle in their eye, and joy in their heart. In the middle of all kinds of adversity, what better thing for the world to see than to know how they can know that our God is an all-powerful God and that he's well able because we truly believe that and we need to believe that. Amen. I'm not saying there's not things we're not, we're we're supposed to put our hand to the plow. We can no longer just sit idly by and not get involved in what's going on in our nation. We have to. That's part of the job of a believer and being a citizen of this, this world, this nation and this state and these counties or these cities we live in. We're citizens in all these different arenas and we need to stand up and do our part. But in the same token, we have to always remember, most and foremost, we are citizens of heaven. And because we're citizens of heaven, the God of heaven is on our side. And all of heaven's host is available to us to provide whatever's necessary to put us over the top. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? Hallelujah. All right, so he goes on to say now. So let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, to build one another up, to encourage one another, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So when we're talking to people that are, that are motivated by fear or given into fear, and they don't know what's going to happen or what's going to go on from here, there, the next, whatever, they, they don't have any idea. They're totally afraid of everything that's happening. Then what we can do is we can minister to them what the Word of God says, And it will edify them and build them up. And I'm talking about other believers. There's people we know that are Christians that don't have a clue about the things of God. And I'm talking about faith and how to stand on the word and believe God through adversity and all those things. They don't know because they haven't been taught. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you don't hear it, then you can't learn it. And if you don't learn it, you can't get on the inside of you. And if you don't get on the inside of you, it's not going to produce faith. You understand what I'm saying? And so the fear is going to try to come against you. 
and the fear will motivate the devil, but faith will motivate God. So we have to take advantage of the opportunities and build them up and encourage them with this fact. Does, I, I understand what it looks like. It looks like things are bleak, but God's still on the throne. God has not changed. He's still the same God today as he's always been. And remember what he did for the children of Israel. And the Bible tells me, because I'm in Christ, I'm Abraham's seed, and I'm heirs according to the promise or the covenant that God made with Abraham. So if he did that for them, he's going to do that for me. And if he parted the Red Sea and brought them out of Egypt, then he's going to part the Red Sea and take us out of this mess. And if he supplied their need, if he brought them out with the riches of Egypt, we're going to come out on top. Hallelujah. And we're going to have whatever it is we need to get this, this harvest reaped, these souls into the kingdom, so that the end can come. God is still on the throne. Say it out. God, my God, is still on the throne. Hallelujah. Yes, he is. Praise the Lord. Get a revelation of that. That's where he's at. He's on the throne. I always like what happened with Isaiah the day that you, King Uzziah died. Matter of fact, turn over there. Hold your place here. We'll come back to it. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 6. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to begin with verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord setting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Now, what's taken place here? What's transpired? Understand some things. Number one, Isaiah was not just a prophet. Isaiah was a prophet and a statesman. Unlike Elijah, Elijah was not a statesman. Elijah was a prophet of fire. Yes. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Two different individuals. Uh, Elijah was an individual that wore, you know, coats of skin. He was like, like John the Baptist, ate locusts, wild honey, things like that. Challenged the prophets of Baal. I mean, that's, that's just a whole different scenario. Isaiah was a prophet, but Isaiah was a statesman. He had the ear of the kings. Elijah didn't. Ahab and Jezebel, they wanted to kill him. He ran from them. He hid in the mouth of the cave. Isaiah could walk amongst the kings. So he's a statesman. So he has the voice or the ear, I should say, the ear of Uzziah. And he liked Uzziah. And Uzziah was not a bad king. And so he had a good relationship with Uzziah. But then Uzziah died. And if you read through the you know, first and second Kings and first and second Chronicles, you'll find out that lots of times the kings that took over when another king died would do evil things in the sight of the Lord and bring the children of Israel into bondage and get them in trouble. So there's no doubt in my mind that Isaiah is wondering when Uzziah dies, now who's gonna, his kid's going to take place, what's going to happen here? 
Because he doesn't know unless the Lord tells him. So it's quite obvious what's taking place here. When Uzziah dies, he's grieving over it. He's extremely upset about it. And watch what the Lord does. So in the year that King Uzziah died, he said, I saw also the Lord. And where was the Lord at? Setting upon a throne. High and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. So Uzziah, a king, yes he was, but still a human being, died. And was buried in a grave. But where was the Lord? High and lifted up. Sitting on a throne. Hallelujah. Highly exalted. Verse 2, above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Now watch what his response was. Then said I, woe is me. Why would he make that statement? Because he was fretting about what was going to happen to Israel as a result of Uzziah dying. But very quickly, the Lord showed him that Uzziah is just a man. He may have been a king and he may have been a good king, but he was still just a man. And the man will die. But he's, he's showing Isaiah, but I'm God. And I'm still on the throne. And I didn't freak out just because Uzziah died. Hello? Amen? God hasn't freaked out about anything that's taken place in the last year and a half, two years. God's still on the throne. He's still high and lifted up. His train still fills the temple. Think about that. We all get excited when you see the bride walk by and she's got that big old fancy long train. That's nothing compared to the train that God has. God has a robe. Yes, he does. And he has a train that goes behind it. And how big is it? It's big enough to fill the whole house. And the train is made out of glory. Come on now. When Moses said to the Lord, show me thy glory. And God said to Moses, he said, no man can look on my face and live, but however, I will hide you in the cleft of the rock. And when I pass by, I'll remove my hand from you and I'll pull my hand back and I'll let you see my back parts. So what do you think he saw? Well, obviously he saw that train. And so that train must have been awful spectacular because it fills the whole house. So someone say, well, all God did was let him see his backside. I'll settle for the backside. How about you? Amen. You think about the glory in that train. Amen. That's who God is. That's his glory. His glory is his manifested presence. Amen. So what happened? Uzziah now, I mean, not Uzziah, but Isaiah now sees that Uzziah is just a mere man. But the true king is the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. He's almighty God. Verse 4, and the post of the door moved at the voice of him that, that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips. Remember what we read just back there in, 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 in uh, Proverbs chapter 4? 
perverse lips put far from thee? I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. In other words, I'm a man that's saying the wrong thing, and I dwell amongst the people that says the wrong thing. We have to be people of faith and say the right things. Amen. We got to say what's right. We got to say what's true. We got to say what the word says. Oh, it may be a fact that we see natural things happening, but the truth of the word will change the fact. And if it'll do that in our physical bodies, it'll also do that in our nation. Why? Because we're citizens of this nation. And because we're citizens, we have authority because of our citizenship. Y'all with me? Hallelujah. So we, wanna, we don't want to be like Isaiah was. We want to stay focused on what he saw and let him, like I've always told my children, and I've told you as well, learn from my mistakes. Don't make them yourself. Let's learn from Isaiah's mistake here. He had the mistake of putting too much emphasis on Uzziah and forgot that God's still high and lifted up. He's still on the throne. See, we've done that with some of the things that's transpired here in our nation, and we put so much faith in this individual or this, this scenario or this scenario that we forgot that God is still God. He's still high and lifted up. His train still fills the temple. He's still the God that's more than enough. He's still almighty, all-powerful, and all-creating. He's still God. That's who he is. Hallelujah. And if we know that he's a God that's capable of parting the Red Sea, you don't think he can turn things around? If he can take Nebuchadnezzar, who was supposed to be one of the greatest kings that ever lived, powerful king, and got him out there running around like a wild man, living out there in the wilderness and eating grass. Come on. To humble him and show him who's really God and who's not. Because he wanted to portray himself as God and had a golden image 90 foot tall made to represent him as God. But those three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they wouldn't fall prey to that thing. And they would not fall down and worship. And they told him right to his face, O king, our God's able to deliver us. But if not, well, the if not part was not if God's not capable, but if you don't throw us into that fiery furnace, he's still going to deliver and we're still not going to bow. Amen. And they told Nebuchadnezzar, who thought he was the greatest king ever, had that gold image made to him and people are going to worship that as a God. They told him, we're not going to do it. And it ticked him off so bad, they heated up the, the, the furnace seven times hotter than it ever been heated. And they threw in those three Hebrew children. And Nebuchadnezzar was standing looking over into the furnace. All it was was a big pit, big fire pit. And he looked over into it. And he said, did we not throw in three? They said, oh, yeah, king, we threw in three. He said, I see four of them. And when they threw them in, the Bible literally says that when they threw them in, that they bound them up with their coats, their hosen, everything, that they bound them up with everything, threw them in there just like that, and now he says, I see four of them, and they're loosed. 
and they're walking around in the midst of the fire, and the fourth one's face is as the Son of God. And so what do you cried into the furnace and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, your God delivered you. Yep. And he called them out of that fiery furnace. Why? Because he wasn't going to go in and get them. He called them out of that fiery furnace. And what did he do? He put out a decree that there's no God like their God. And if you talk against their God, you're going to be cut to pieces and thrown on a dung hill. Think about it. The attitude that changed when he saw three individuals, just three young children that were willing to stand fast and hold on to the truth of the word. Think about what God can do if we'll do that. He's not a respecter of persons. If he did it for them, he'll do it for us. And so up to this point, we haven't been thrown into the fiery furnace. It may, have been, it may feel like we've been in the fire, but they were literally thrown in the fire. God's on our side. And that's why we have to know what the word says now more than ever before and how to stand on the word now. And the way that we do it is we look back at those examples of how they stood through those tests and trials and how God delivered them. Just like he delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Just like he showed Isaiah here. Listen, Uzziah was a good man. He was a good king. But he's dead. He's human. But I'm still God. So it doesn't matter who got elected or didn't get elected or this or that or whatever. God's still God. As wrong as things may have been, God's still God. We have to stay focused on that part of it. I know what I believe about the whole situation. But we have to stay focused on God. Y'all with me? What does God say? And we know this, God's on our side. And he will deliver us. Y'all with me? Hallelujah. All right, let's, on our way back to... Uh, to Ephesians, let's go by Psalms 91. All right, now notice what it says here. Psalms 91, verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Surely He shall. Shall and will are the strongest, most two assertive words in the English language. So when He says, surely He shall, that means He will. Deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. See, his truth is what's going to hold this thing together. God's true and man's a liar. Y'all listening? So it doesn't matter what man says because God still stands true to everything he said. 
Verse 5, thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth in noonday. So you're not supposed to be afraid of enemies, enemy armies, or pestilences, diseases. Hello? You're not supposed to be afraid of those things. Amen. He says, a thousand shall fall at thy side and 10,000 at thy right hand, but it should not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. We'll watch the enemy attack them. You better get ready for it. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. What's that mean? Your dwelling place. You dwell there in his presence. Notice what it said in the first verse, he that dwelleth in the secret place. Because we've made that secret place our place of habitation. We dwell in his presence and we do so all the time. How do we stay in the presence of God? One, he inhabits the presence of his praises. Amen. So you praise him. What's another way? You walk in obedience to his word. I said it this morning. Obedience is the highest form of worship. Y'all listening? For you to just sing songs or quote unquote worship God through song and not walk in obedience to his word, then that's not true worship. And remember what Jesus said to the woman at the Samaritan well? God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. One of the ways you're going to worship him in spirit and in truth is by walking in the light of the truth. Walk in obedience to the word of God. You've got to walk in the light of the word. You have to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Amen. You have to act upon what the word says. By you doing so will keep you in the secret place. It'll keep you in the habitation of the Lord. It'll keep you in his presence. Are you all out there? The Bible says this, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he'll flee fellowship with him. Draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. How do I draw nigh to God? Talk to him. Yes. Just converse with him. Amen. Talk to him throughout your day. Amen. Just give him a loving glance to heaven to let him know that you're still conscious of his presence. Because yes. he said this, how do I know God's presence is with me? Because Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 28. He said, behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We talked about it when we was talking about the, being led by the Spirit. In John chapter 14, he said, I'll give you another comforter who will be in you. He went on to say, if we keep his word, that him and the Father will make their abode or their dwelling place with us. So if he, how many lives, realize if he lives in us, then that means his presence has got to be here. Because when I walked in the room here, my presence came into the room, just like when you walked in, your presence came in the room. And so if God is living on the inside of you, how many realize that his presence has to be there? So you have to remain conscious of his presence being in you and upon you throughout your everyday life. And Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will always be with you. Amen. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Thank God for his presence. Say, I thank you, Father, thank that, God. Your, presence that your presence lives great big, great big on the inside of me. Inside of me. See, his presence is on the inside of you. 
is there all the time. Hallelujah. Verse 9, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. How many of y'all want his angels working on your behalf? Yeah. Amy Grant had a song out years ago, Angels Watching Over Me. Remember that? And in the song, the different verses talked about going somewhere, this happened, and all of a sudden, you know, angels were there. Didn't, you know, cars coming out, or, you know, didn't get hit. You know, angels are working. Yes. We don't know how many times angels are working. Talking with Wade after service this morning, he said the last week he saw three accidents happen in front of three different accidents within 100 feet of, within 100 feet of him. And I said, praise God, you weren't in the accidents. Amen. Why do you think? Angels watching over. Angels watching over. Angels watching He said, I'll give, he'll give his angels charge over us to keep us in all our ways, to bear us up in their hands lest we dash our foot against the stone. His angels are giving charge over us. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God angels are real. Yes, they are. And they're there to work on your behalf. They're ministering spirits sent forth to minister for us who are heirs of salvation. We're the heirs of salvation. We're heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. And so his angels are there to provide protection for us. And they can go and do battle for us. When Daniel set his heart to understand, he began to fast, what we call the Daniel fast, and ate no pleasant bread for 21 days. From the moment he prayed, the Lord Jesus was sent to him with the answer. How do I know it was Jesus? Well, for the sake of time, if you look into Scripture, you'll find out that, that Gabriel appeared to, to, to Daniel multiple times. And every time it was, it was Gabriel, he said it was Gabriel, the angel Gabriel. In this particular case, it said the angel of the Lord. That is Jesus in the Old Testament. And if you, if you check the reference, it goes right back to Revelation chapter 1, where he appeared to John in the Isle of Patmos. Hallelujah. So when Jesus came with the answer, he said to Daniel, he said, from the moment you set your heart to understand, I was sent with the answer. But the devil resisted him for 21 days. What was it? Because he had authority over Jesus? No, but because he was tempting Daniel to get Daniel to give up and quit. But Daniel would not quit. And because Daniel would not quit, then Jesus called on Michael, the chief warrior angel, and brought him into battle to push back the forces of darkness so he could get to Daniel with the answer. We want angels working on our behalf. We got to do what the word says. We got to stand on the word. Yes. Daniel had to stand and pray for 21 days. Y'all listening? So we have to continue to stand on the word. Continue to speak the word. Not be moved by what we see, hear, or feel. We got to continue to do what the word of God says. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We got to be in his place of habitation. His presence. Amen. And then those angels that have charge over us, they'll provide protection for us. We need to dispatch those angels. Hebrews says they're ministering spirits sent forth to those who are the ministers, the minister, the, the, for those who are the heirs of salvation. So that means we're heirs of salvation. They're sent to minister on our behalf. Then how many realize when you go to a restaurant, not trying to belittle angels, but that this is, we have to understand ways that we can communicate to you how these things work.
If you go to a restaurant, you have to place your order for them to do anything. If they walk up to the table and you just sit there, don't say anything, they're just going to look at you like you're crazy and walk off eventually and say, well, I don't know what they want. Angels are the same way. They're standing around us. Every one of us has an angel, a guardian angel, but there's other angels that are dispatched to work on our behalf. They're around us. They're waiting for orders. They're waiting for us to tell them something to do. And when we speak contrary to the word, it confuses them. Because they can only act upon what the word of God says. They They cannot act on doubt and unbelief. They cannot act on fear. It's on what the word of God says. See, Daniel, listen to me. If you read the story, go back and read it for yourself. But Daniel, when he set his heart to understand, he began to pray. You have to remember that the king put out a decree. But because the individuals that didn't like Daniel wanted to take Daniel out, ended up getting thrown to the lion's den. They went to the king and had the king put out a decree that you couldn't pray for 30 days. Remember the story? But Daniel, they knew Daniel was going to pray. And when Daniel's praying, y'all listening? Daniel don't try to hide it. He opens up the curtain. He does it right in front of the picture window. So they can see it. Are y'all listening? Daniel's not afraid to pray. You can't be afraid to pray. The point I'm making is Daniel was not motivated by fear. He was motivated by by a desire to see God move and deliver the children of Israel. That's That's what he wanted. And so Jesus was dispatched with the answer. The purpose was the enemy slowing Jesus down was to try to get Daniel to quit, but he wouldn't quit. And because of that, Michael was called on the scene and he pushed back the powers of darkness and Jesus came through with the answer. Y'all listening? Amen. See, we have such a big part to play in these things that people don't know anything about. When it comes to our authority as believers, it's like this. John Wesley made the statement. He said, it seems that God's limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing on the behalf of mankind except someone ask him. The Pentecostal evangel, which is assembly of God's newsletter, printed that same statement many years later. And they said it in, their, in their, their particular magazine. They said, it seems that God is limited by our prayers. That he cannot do things for mankind except someone ask him. And they added this, why this is, we don't know. I know exactly why it is. Because when God created Adam, he gave Adam dominion over the earth. And over all the works of his hands. Then he committed high treason, and sold us out to the devil. And the devil got that authority over the earth. And the system by which the earth operates. And so because he got that authority. Then mankind had to do something. Jesus had to come as a human. He had to die for our sins, being tempted the same way Adam and Eve were, yet without sinning. He had to resist the devil and die as a human being without sin. He's the only one that could do it. And having done that, 
then he gave us that authority back. And so when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we now have that authority again that Adam and Eve had in the, in the garden in the beginning. Y'all listening? Just like Romans chapter 5 says, through death, through sin, all death reigned on every man. But through life and obedience, life came back to every man in Christ. So because of what Jesus, the second Adam, did is he gave us back that authority. Now God needs us to exercise that authority in this earth, and that's what releases him to manifest, and the devil can't say anything about it. That's why it's so important that we as believers know who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us and the authority we have as believers because we can release the hand of God to manifest in our circumstances, situations in this earth, this earth realm because we're citizens here. Am I making sense to you? And it's so important that we understand that. Hallelujah. He's limited by our prayers. We want to change things, we got to pray. That's what releases God to move and manifest. Well, God can just do anything all he wants to do. Well, if he could, he'd make everybody get saved today. We go in the millennial reign of Christ tomorrow. But he can't. He can't violate humans' wills. So he needs us to pray. And that releases him to move and manifest in the earth. And for years, a lot of believers really didn't spend much time praying. Not for the things they should have been praying about. They were praying about their needs they were praying about their health. They were praying about their families. But they weren't praying about their nation. Not like they should have been. Amen. They weren't praying about their cities. They were praying about the things that directly reflected their well-being, their wallets, their bank accounts. You understand what we're saying? And didn't pray about the weightier matters the more important things. Because if all the other things are done right, then the rest of it will be all right. All right, let me finish this up. I'm out of time, my word. Verse 13, Thou shalt tread upon the lion, the adder of the young lion, and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he had known my name. He's talking about you there, folks. Talk about us. Because we set our love upon him, therefore he would deliver us. He will set us on high because he's known our names. And we've known his. He knows who we are because we know who he is. Verse 15, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. You want to be delivered? He says it right here. He said, you just dwell in that place. Dwell in his presence. Amen. Glory to God. Well, I'm only part way through. Did you get anything out of this at all? You all understand what we're talking about here? Amen. There's nothing wrong with us voicing things, saying things. It's just the attitude and how we go about doing it. We have to be careful. Because our, our purpose is to minister grace to those that hear it. 
And I only got through one verse of that. I got through verse 29. I didn't get through the rest of it. Because it talks about with all malice, anger, bitterness, clamoring, and all those other things. So we got to be careful about that. This is one of the things you have to remember. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. So when we look at the people that are doing the crazy things, they're being motivated by another spirit. And we have to remember that. Because some of these people may have been friends of ours in the past. But now they're in these positions and they're doing things that go against what we believe or what we stand for. The thing about it is, they, they're still the same person. They're just motivated by a demonic entity. There's a devil behind the situation. And it may be fear that's causing them to react the way they're reacting. It may be pressure that you don't even know about. They may be being pressured by individuals that you don't know. And so if we're not careful, we're attacking them and don't realize the pressure that they're being under. It doesn't make it right, but use your authority in the place it's supposed to be used. Take authority over the spirit that's behind the whole situation and start using that authority against the enemy that's already defeated and underneath your feet. Because you have the authority over him. Those devils are defeated. But we have to exercise authority over them in the name of Jesus. And we have to do it in faith. Why? Submit to God, James 4, resist the devil, and he'll flee. The key is submit to God and his word and resist the devil. He's good. Listen, when you start to pray and take authority over the enemy that's going and running rampant in some of these areas, don't think he's just going to turn tail and run. He's going to try to continue to buffalo you till he can get you, just like he did Daniel. He pushed back and resisted Jesus getting to him for 21 days. And the purpose of that was to get Daniel to give up and quit. And Daniel wasn't praying that for himself. He was praying that for the children of Israel. So in other words, he was praying for his nation. Y'all understand that? So it's the same way with us. We can't give up and quit just because we haven't seen the changes that we want to see. But understand this, and I'm speaking now by the Spirit of God. There is a plan that has been consummated from the ages. A plan to reap the last and greatest harvest on the face of this earth. And that plan will come to pass. But you must stand with me, saith the Lord, in that plan and not against me by giving in to fear. But stand in faith. Stand on that which you know to be true. Stand upon my word and watch as I bring the breakthrough. For I have a plan. And in my plan, all that I desire to come to pass will come to pass. And I will expose what needs to be exposed. And I will judge what needs to be judged. And I will raise up those need to be raised up 
And I will bring down those need to be brought down. For yea, I will be lifted up in the end. And I'll draw all men unto myself, saith the Lord. And the great harvest will come in. And souls will be won into the kingdom. And yea, then the trumpet will sound. And my son will return to bring home the church. So rejoice and be glad. It's not a time to be sad. It's a time to rejoice. For yea, I am still on the throne. I am still high and lifted up. And I will still bring this to pass. For it's not thy plan, it's my plan. And my plan will be consummated. That's what the Holy Ghost is saying. Hallelujah. Amen. We got to be a part of it. Let's don't be against it. Let's be with it. Hallelujah. So let's don't be motivated by fear. Let's be motivated by faith. And let's do our part. Let's pray. Let's seek his face. Hallelujah. Let's do his will. Let's stay in his presence. Let's let his spirit produce joy on the inside of us. Let's continue to have strength that can be utilized to help to bring others to Christ. We need to take advantage of these opportunities to bring people to Christ. We're the ones that should have the joy. We're the ones that should have the peace. Why are you telling us this? Because the Lord's dealing with me about it. Amen. I don't like what I've been seeing. It aggravates me. But if I let that get me in the flesh, then I've given in to the devil. We cannot deal with the enemy in the flesh. We have to do it in the spirit. And in the spirit, we have authority over him. He's defeated. Hallelujah. 